We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church here in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 called The Power of Partnership. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Investing My Resources in Relationships. In Galatians 2, he was talking to the Galatians about the verdict and how all that went. And he said that James and Peter had asked him, they said, we totally embrace, you're going to the Gentiles, but we ask you only to remember the poor. And Paul says that was something that he was eager to do. Paul looked for an opening to minister to those most hurting for the sake of the gospel. I want you to notice this four-part aspect of ministry. First, there's a history. There's always a history. Second of all, there was a need. Third, there was an opportunity to invest and then to thank God for what he did. Why don't you jot this down in your notes? I need to look for ways to invest in broken or strained relationships. I need to look for ways to invest in broken or strained relationships. That's a lot of history. This is what Paul was doing. Paul was looking for a way to build partnership within the church. And I would tell you, I would tell every one of us, every one of us, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. Every one of us have people in our lives that we have a history with. Okay? Now, the reality is, uh, you can, um, those all have, they do have to be handled differently. Um, but within the gospel of Jesus Christ, unfortunately, within the church, there's, there's been plenty of stories of animosity between churches, all of which love Jesus Christ. But we get over these little things, and we dislike, and we hate, and we... Well, Paul said... We're not about that here. And I would tell you in your own life, as we go through the rest of the message, I want you to be thinking, who are the people in your life that God might be calling you to invest in? It's really easy to hear this history and be like, oh, that's so glad that, I'm so glad that they did that. I'm so glad that worked out. And miss the point that who is it that God wants us to invest in? Think about this. Who are the people that I have a history with? Who are the people that maybe you were right, but they... Um, they were wrong, but God still loves them. It's amazing as we begin to seek God about, God, how could I restore that relationship? God will begin to show you cracks in their life that are windows of opportunity. And our first reaction is, good, I'm finally glad they got a crack. They deserve a crack. After all the things they've said and done, that gosh, you just stick a, Lord, stick a piece of dynamite and blow that whole wall open. Help them to feel some pain like they've inflicted on me. And yet if our heart is to restore relationships as the gospel is about, what we should be doing is saying, Lord, help me, help me. Lord, help me to see the needs in their lives that you're giving me as an opportunity to touch them. That's why you've given me it, God. Help me to see it. Here's the second thing you need to do, not just see it. To see it is to do nothing. The thing that God calls us to do is then to begin to invest. Now you got to be, be careful how you do that. It's always good to get wisdom and how to do that. You don't just throw money at problems. That's not what Paul's doing. That's throwing money at problems. But when you find a genuine need that someone has, something that they really need help with, that's God giving you a window to begin to invest. And the next week I'm going to talk about relationships, how we invest ourselves. But I want you to think about this. The resources God has given you the finances, the, the time, the capacity, the relationships, the giftings, the schooling, the, all the things that God has given you that come in relationships, but especially possessions and finances. 
or something that God wants you to use strategically to build relationships, to touch lives, and to lead people back toward the gospel. And sometimes you're like, well, I ain't doing that, man. I'll admit it. I'll pray for him. I'll pray for him. I'm good with praying for him. I'll maybe even talk to him in a couple years if they're nice. But there is no way that I'm putting precious resources that I have and investing that in that relationship. I don't care. I'm not doing that. And yet, isn't it our treasure is there where our heart is? And if God can't break our hearts enough to help us take some of that treasure and invest it in these people, they may never be reached. And God, what God gives us, he gives us his stewards. I want to talk about that more here in a second. But I would ask you to think about this for a minute. What are the broken or strained relationships in your life? And what is the way that God wants to invest? I want you to look at verse 2. Verse 2. Paul says this. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside, uh, put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul's being very specific about how, to, how he wants the giving to be taken. He wants it to be on the first day of every week. Now, I want you to notice something. I'm going to give the answer here in a second, but look, look for what Paul's going for. What is he going for here? Why does he say all this stuff? Well, think about this. First, he says, the first day of every week. He says, I want you to give this gift on a regular basis. I don't want you to wait all the way to the end, and we're just going to do some like, special offering at the end and hope something comes in. So I want you to begin to be very intentional in how this gift is given. Ironically, a little side note here, the fact that it mentions the first day of every week is an evidence for the resurrection. Typically, Jews and even proselytes, uh, Gentiles that converted to, to Judaism and were circumcised, they would worship on Saturday, this, the last day of every week. But just where it says here, when you meet together on the first day of every week, it's evidence of the resurrection, that the people had changed the day they were meeting to remember the resurrection. Then notice here in the verse 2 that it says, store it up. It comes from the Greek word, athosurizo, from which we get our word thesaurus. Uh, it means to accumulate or over time. Store it up. I want you to be intentional about that. Then notice it says, as he may prosper. He doesn't say, okay, I want everybody to give five bucks. He says, I want you to give based on what God gives you. Oh, as you may prosper. Some of you might be having a bad time in sales. No worries. Give what you can. As God prospers you. And he says that no collecting. I want no collecting when I come. He wanted the Corinthians to have advanced preparation. He wanted them to um, prepare themselves as opposed to pressure in person. Paul wanted this to be a, a free will offering. He said, you know, you Gentiles owe a lot to the Jews. If they hadn't been faithful to some really difficult seasons, you wouldn't have a faith to be talking about right now. He said, you owe them a lot. Look in Romans. He says, you, th these Gentile believers, they owe so much to the Jews. He said, you know what? I want you to give this as a free will offering. I, this is not a shakedown, okay? I'm not coming to Corinth and midday. You all stand up and say, pull everything out of your pockets. I want to see what you got. I want that. I want that. I want that. He's not shaking. He said, I want to shake you down. He said, I want you to give this from your heart. I want you to invest in these people who right now are not real happy with you. I want you to care for them. If I had to sum this up, Paul wanted them to intentionally invest in these relationships. Here's the third point. I need to intentionally invest in relationships as a steward of God's resources. There's a difference between investing and intentional investing, okay? I could go home today and before... Uh, you know, 
before three o'clock, I could be investing in some company I have no clue about. But for those of you who know about intentional investing, it takes a little time, a little research on this is how I'm going to do it so I get the best return on my resources, okay? And God wants us to use his resources in an intentional way. Intentional investing is stewardship. Paul's saying here, I want you to invest in something big. I want you to invest in the kingdom of God and relationships. And I have to say this, everything we own is God's, Okay? Some of us are like, it's a big deal to give until we remember it all belongs to God. Like, but, but I work for it. Yeah, well, if God hadn't kept you in good health, you wouldn't have been working for it. Oh, but, 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 I, but I've been saving. I, 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 it all belongs to God. When you go home to glory, it's staying here. And when he's done with this world, he'll be done with it. It all belongs to God. The question is, what are we going to do in stewarding what God has given us? And I'm going to tell you, God's not all big on buildings, okay? Someday he's going to torch this whole world and create a new one anyways, okay, as 1 Peter or 2 Peter 3 talks about. Now, buildings are useful, I get that. But one of the reasons why our church has not invested in buildings first is because the church isn't fundamentally about buildings. It's about people. And I would say the same is true here as well. Paul's not saying, I want you to give so they can build a better synagogue. He's saying, I want you to invest in people, people, people. Because that is the currency of eternity. Okay? Your money will not make it into heaven. But when you invest in people, that's investing in something that will go into eternity. You know, the fun thing about thinking about things like stewardship, until you get the concept of stewardship, it's hard to give at times. Because it's mine, it's mine, it's real. You know, it's, until you realize it's God, and then you're like, dude, I'm spending somebody else's money. This is fun, you know? You ever had somebody give you a credit card and say, you know, go to the mall. You know, maybe your parent gave you, go to the mall and just, you know, get whatever you want. It's like cha-ching. Okay? And when we begin to realize that everything that God has given us is his, we're spending somebody else's money. And the question then is, what is that person's priority? Is, this, is God's primary priority for me to go have fun every week? Is God's primary priority for me to save up a massive amount of money so that at the end of my life, I might have time to live on it? Um... That is a priority, but not the priority. God's primary priority in your life is for you to steward his resources in a number of different ways, in a way that honors him. That's what stewardship is. The question is whether we will be godly stewards that invest in God's priorities or wicked stewards that invest in our own priorities. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. You know, as a result of listening to Meeting with God Daily, I hope that your passion for Jesus Christ is growing in such a way that you're learning to share your faith with others. You know, that's something that our church is committed to, equipping men and women to share the good news of Jesus through personal witness and church outreach. And if you don't have a church here in Columbus, Ohio, we'd love to have you join us this weekend. Go to verticalchurch.life. I want to talk about that for a minute. I want to give you four things you need to know or four things I need to know about stewarding our resources. I want to give you a biblical a basis for stewardship. I think these are good things for us to know, especially in light of the topic of the message. Here's the first one. A promise to hold, God can turn my heart through my resources. Some of you might be here today and you're like, I, I can never love that person again. I can never deal with that person again. I can never, don't ever talk to me about that person again. And I would tell you something. Here's a truth or a promise for you to hold. A God can begin to work in your heart through the resources he's given you. 
Matthew chapter 6, 19 says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. I'm gonna pause here for a second. If you have your pen, underline this in your Bible. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's one of the biggest passages in scripture about understanding resources. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'm going to tell you this is true in idolatry. It's also true in righteousness, okay? If your treasure is in yourself or in things or in whatever, whatever your treasure is that you think is the most important thing in your life, wherever your treasure is, but especially your resources, that's where your heart's going to go. And whatever your treasure is, is being invested in idolatry, your heart's going to fall right after it. But the same is also true of righteousness. When we begin to invest our resources in things that God wants us to invest in, our heart begins to follow that. Finances, more specifically, often reveal what we worship. When we choose by our will to place our treasure in places of eternal value, our affections will follow. And I would tell you this, I don't know who gives what. I don't ever see that stuff. Only the finance team sees that stuff. But I want to tell you this. I don't know where your heart is. I don't know whether you're giving to the church and giving to different things that we've done. or been, I don't know any of that. I like not knowing that because I'm just going to tell you what the word says. If your heart is not committed to giving to God's priorities, you are going to struggle with stewarding resources and you're going to st- struggle with idolatry. You are. However, when you begin to take those resources and place them in places, not necessarily just in the church, I'm not talking about that, but in areas where God wants you to put them, you will experience the blessing of righteousness. Let's look at a second uh, thing you need to know about stewarding resources. Here's the second point. A measurement to observe. My resources reveal my priorities. I would just say the same verse there. Did you write Matthew 6, uh, 21? Hey, if you want to know somebody, you want to know what your priorities are? You want to know what your priorities are? You want to know what my priorities are? Look at your credit card statement. Look at your checking account. Look at your bank, look at your, um, your checkbook. Do we even use those anymore? Like, I guess we still use them, sort of. You want to know what your priorities are, look where you're spending your money. What should our priorities be? Let me give you five things that you should have as a priority in stewardship. This is a balanced perspective. First, God calls us to provide for our families. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, you don't provide for your own family, you should be treated like a non-believer. Second thing we need to do, provide, then save. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5 talks about laying up and preparing in seasons of abundance for seasons that aren't so abundant. Third thing that God wants you to do is to enjoy your resources. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, God gives us all things to enjoy. Here's the fourth thing. God wants us to invest in the kingdom of God. Philippians 4.15. Then finally, uh, the fifth priority is to care for the church. That's Galatians 2.10. Again, provide, save, enjoy, invest in the kingdom of God, and care for the church. I want to tell you something. Um, Wisdom is reflected in a person's ability to steward their resources appropriately in those five different areas. Wisdom. When any one of those get out of balance, I've seen people, man, their whole life is about saving. 
Ironically, some of those people die at 65 and never enjoy all that they've spent their life on. Or sometimes people give too much to the church. They're all like, well, no, no, I'm just gonna, I'm never, I don't want any money. I'm just gonna keep giving to the church, keep giving everything to the church. It's more spiritual. No, it's not. You're not being a good steward. You ought to have some savings. If your family's suffering or you're never taking a vacation, you're never going to a, a Clippers game because you never have enough money to enjoy it because you're giving other things or saving too much or whatever, you're not being a good steward. Your kids need to see stewardship balanced. And I would say the same is true of enjoyment. If your life is all about all my resources, go to partying it up as fast as I can and trips and all this stuff because I want to enjoy too much, um, well, your stewardship is out of balance. But when we have those balanced correctly, that's when God um, uh, is honored. I would also say this, God typically gets his money toward people that use it well. Some of us are like, why? I wish I had more money. Man, I wish, why am I, why am I always, well, have you stewarded your finances appropriately? And most of us are like, well, I could do a little better. Four things you need to know. Number three, a truth to know. My future opportunities depend on my present stewardship. My future opportunities depend on my present stewardship. One aspect that talks about resources, Matthew 25, 21, a hugely impactful passage for me. It says, his master, this is speaking of God, said to this particular steward, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And I would say if you were to talk to God today and say, Lord, 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 why, why, don't, why don't I ever seem to have enough? Um, maybe sometime we'll teach on this, but I'll tell you, um, if you're not giving and being faithful in giving, uh, expect not to be in a good place financially. Okay, if you're not taking care of your family, if you're spending all your money on big toys and not caring for your family, don't expect to have a lot of resources. If you're not living for Jesus Christ in your finances, as in every other area, don't expect blessing. Sometimes people expect to live for Jesus in my, you know, in what I watch on television, but I don't live for him in my finances. Well, anything out of balance, anything not under the cross of Jesus Christ uh, is going to have problems. Here's the fourth thing to know. An attitude to develop, cheerfulness, not compulsion, is the heart of a steward. An attitude to develop, cheerfulness, not compulsion, is the heart of a steward. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 and 7 says this. Paul's talking about this just a year later, this whole gift he's giving, but a year later. It says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, God's not going to shake you down. He's going to wait till you give cheerfully. And people that have a gen I've found this so many times. People that have a generous heart... Typically, God gets all sorts of resources over to them, and their heart is not weighed down by their finances. And that's something we've tried to apply here at church. We've given to other church plants. We've given generously to other people. Why? Because we're so, we want to have a heart of generosity. If we're stingy with the resources that we all give to the church, we're not living what God says. God wants generous people. God gets resources to generous people and generous churches. Cheerful giving. You might be like, well, I've been trying to give, but I just am never cheerful. Like every time I think about giving at church or giving to something else, like I just, I get, I get this, like I break out in the sweat. Like I just don't like to give. Okay, let me just tell you this. Cheerful giving doesn't always start with a smile. Okay? Sometimes cheerful giving starts with obedience. And I'll tell you one of the things, the best things that my parents ever taught me as a kid, uh, right, right from when I started, when I had my allowance, 
And then, you know, or when I got my paper out, I remember especially, I got a paper out at nine. My parents taught me from a young age, 10% goes to God, 10% goes to God. And I'm not here to give you numbers. You give generously based on what God wants you to give. But I'll tell you, that discipline of giving a portion of my resources to God helped me start from a young age. And I'll tell you, finances have never been something, A, they ever had a problem with, and B, it's also been something God has always provided. And I've never really struggled. I'm not gonna say that I wouldn't, you know, each person has to go through their own things in, in their own sanctification. But I'm going to tell you, one thing you can do for your kids as a discipline is teach them to give right from the very beginning. Because what it does, it begins to build within us a sense of everything belongs to God, and I get to give. It's a cheerful thing. And over time, obedience begins to change over to privilege and then cheerfulness. When resources don't own you, you become a much happier person. Now, why do I mention all of these different stewarding resources comments? Here's what Paul was going for. Paul wanted, to, Paul wanted the people of God in Corinth who had all their own priorities, they had their own needs, they had all their own things going. He said, listen, listen, listen. I want you to take what God has given you and I want you to use it. I want you to intentionally steward some of those resources and I want you to invest in relationships. I'm going to tell you, for a church, if you read through the Corinthians, we've been going through it through two years. Imagine, they re- I was thinking about that this week. We've taken two years. They probably read through it in an hour at the most. That was a church just filled with division. So many people, this and that, don't like you, and you're rich, and you're poor, so I like you or don't like you. I had all this stuff going on, and what Paul was beginning to show them is, hey, let's work together on a project here so that we can learn what it means to use our resources to love one another so that we develop a heart of love toward each other. Here's the final point I want to give you from God's word. My investments will lead to mutual joy and gospel partnership. My investments will lead to mutual joy and gospel partnership. As I said, I want you to think however God has, uh, whatever God's doing in your heart right now, however the Holy Spirit is working in you, um, I'd ask you this, who does God want you to invest in? Okay, be easy to be like, okay, done, check, on to whatever. What is, who is it that God wants you to invest in? We should all be thinking through that and praying through that right now. Is it a spouse, a child, a coworker? Is it a brother in Christ that's in a difficult relationship with you? Or sister in Christ? Is maybe God want you to invest some of your resources in lunch, taking them out to lunch and just talking to them, their favorite restaurant? Does God want you to go get them a gift or a little token of your appreciation for them? Does God want you to give to a need that they have that only you've just recently found out? You know, the interesting thing is, Paul had such a heart, and Paul was so committed to God's word, and he saw a window of opportunity. This is really cool how this works. You know, Paul knew that the Jews uh, were looking forward to a day when uh, Jesus Christ would return as Messiah, or the Messiah would come, who was Jesus Christ, and that when that time came, Scripture said prophetically in Isaiah that the resources of the Gentiles would be brought into Jerusalem that the Gentiles would come, that they would see the glory of God and they would come. I want to give you a couple passages on this. Isaiah, you can put them up on the screen. Isaiah 65, 60 verse 5 says, Then you shall see and be radiant, your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. And then chapter 61 verse 6 uh, says, But you shall be called the priest of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Paul saw a window. He said, you know what? Despite the fact that these Jewish believers are so upset about circumcision, 
You know what they understand about from God's word? Is that someday the Gentiles are gonna be bringing the wealth of the nations into Jerusalem. And do you see what he's doing? He's saying, you know what? They may not get the thing on circumcision now. It may take a couple generations to get over their bitterness toward the Gentiles, but I'll tell you this. When they begin to see the Gentile believers of their own free will bringing a gift to Jerusalem to minister to those people in Jerusalem who had suffered so greatly during seasons, they were gonna begin to see how God, it was like a foreshadowing of a fulfillment of prophecy. And they were gonna begin to see that, okay, maybe God's in this after all. Maybe I can treat these Gentile people as a genuine brother and sister in faith. And God was gonna use that to bring them back together. And I would say to you today, um, God wants us to have a heart to look into his word and to use his, what he has spoken to us through his word as an avenue to build relationships and to build partnerships for the sake of the gospel. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you missed part of today's message or would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Ahrens, please visit our archive of Meeting with God radio programs at our website, verticalchurch.life. There you'll find a collection of past messages from God's Word, which you can listen to easily, as well as share with your family and friends. Also on our website, you can learn how to connect with Vertical Church personally if you're in Columbus or leave a prayer request. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.